Hey everybody, welcome to podcast three of uh, hopefully a bajillion of podcasts from me, uh, Papa Steve, on, of course, my way home. Today was a good day at work. I met my uh, met everything I needed to do, got a cool thing done, I gave a little speech, talked about some stuff, hopefully educated some people, um, and hopefully reinforced and, re- and encouraged other people who already knew the right way to do some computer stuff to do it. Um, it's always nice when you do it, when you give some sort of talk and, uh, you know, the obligatory, oh, thanks for coming, oh, that was so great, I appreciate it, blah, 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 blah. But it's always nice when you, when somebody kind of pulls you aside afterwards and says, oh, yeah, well, I remember you said something about something and I wanted to ask you more about that. That's the best to me because, uh, you know, most of the talks, most talks and most things that are done in an office or company setting are mandatory, right? It's voluntold. It's, yeah, we encourage, we strongly encourage everyone to go to, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the safety briefing about walking your dog in the rain or something silly. But it's like, oh, we got to check that box. Everybody kind of goes and play to it. And you never hear anything about it. But it really, it's an awesome feeling when somebody comes up afterwards and says, hey, you know what? I've, I've got this problem on my own that I think you could help out with. And then you give it you give it your best shot, and then uh, hopefully you you're able to help out that person. You know, and that's that's like the best to me. That's the best because that lets me get challenged on what I was what I'm what I'm talking about, and kind of prove to both that person, not that they're asking, but more importantly myself, that yeah. You do know what you're talking about. Oh, you man, you forgot to inf- you know include this in your talk, or um, or even better, that person has this real problem. So maybe next time I give the talk, I include that real problem, or a variation. Obviously, you don't want to talk about somebody's personal problems, but um, you know you can include that in the talk. But luckily for me, the the person who came up to me was a young lady. Um, and she was talking about uh, an issue she was having in regards to file sharing and her church and other people and how I could help with that or what I recommended. And I was able to, to have a conversation with her and then there's a lot of variables, right? It's like, oh, how much money do you have? Is there a budget? If there's no budget, here are some open, you know, some free options. If there, if that's not really what you want to do or you're having a hard time with somebody uh, adhering to those options, right? Because that's, it doesn't matter if I give you a solution if you're not, one, willing to do the solution and two, you're not willing to pay for the solution. Now, the solution's free, obviously. The payment's not a problem, but you still have to adjust and get back to the whole, I'm willing to make the change or, or I'm willing to try to get other people to make that change. And so um, that's where we are. She seemed, uh, she was very pleasant and very receptive to what I was saying. She was engaged. And of course she was, right? Because she actually paid attention a little bit and then came up to me afterwards. So she had something she was interested in because it affected her daily life, her, her personal life, whatever we're talking about. Now, I've had situations that were not like that, um, not specific to talks not specific to anything, but specific to engaging with other people. So now we're coming up on the 
topic that I'm going to kind of focus on today. My very first podcast was everywhere, and I even named it Rambling Man because I, I just rambled. Because I thought, that's the way you ice break, right? You just smash through the ice. You just do it. No real structure, whatever it is, you just go. And I'm learning, you know, get a little bit more structure, a little bit more of this. Maybe, um, maybe along the lines, we'll have a get. I'll talk with somebody else. Maybe along the lines, I'll ask for feedback from the one other person who listens to the podcast, which is probably my boss. But, but inside of that, I'm, uh, I'm going to structure this one on how to talk to other people. That sounds silly, right? Because first of all, I'm talking to a machine, so I'm not even doing it as we speak. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is because there's, there's really simple things that people do every day. And they don't think about doing them. They don't, they sometimes doing it, uh, they do it unintentionally or without knowing they're doing it. And this is obviously not a critique. It's not a, uh, it's not a, this is what you have to do. These are little hints, right? Helpful things that I have found that sometimes seemed really dumb, but were very helpful in, in conveying my point to getting the other person to become receptive to what I was saying. Not so much winning an argument. This is not a, a, a class on how to win an argument in four easy steps. This is just a conversation with a person and making sure that a conversation is amicable and that that other person is a little receptive to what you're saying. So, first of all, talking to someone is not difficult, right? For most, for most people. Now, if it's your friend, it's probably the easiest thing ever. You know, oh, that's my friend Bill, that's my friend Janice, whatever their names are. You're just talking to them. You're just saying, hey, how's it going? And then we as humans, we just kind of, well, as Americans, I'll speak like that because I don't know the cultures of other people to be so specific. But what we do is we talk, we listen. This is how uh, ideally we talk and then we listen we develop, we we kind of accept what they're saying pose a, either pose a question or pose a relatable um, topic or point to that what they, to what they're saying and then we wait for a natural break in the conversation just like that right you hear my voice go down conversation that's a natural break now me talking and just keeping on a stream of consciousness is not gonna be a natural break, so sometimes you gotta have to throw your hand up or kind of make an innuendo, a little gesture with your elbow or your head, like you wanna chop wood. <laughs> and I know that sounds silly, right? But like, if you bring your head up and open your mouth, it's an obvious sign you wanna say something. Some people will say, what, what were you gonna say? Or they'll take a break. Um, another one is literally you put your hand, you know, you put your one finger up, right? Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I gotta say something. Um, but what's hard in those situations, especially if you're having a more of a debate type style, is that you gotta remember to listen to what they're saying. So everybody's different, but the most basic thing is you call your friend and you say, hey, how you doing? You wait, they say, I'm doing fine. How are you? And you say, oh God, something happened at work, blah, 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 blah. And then you just go mile a minute, right? And that goes back to, um, a lot of times it's very polite to say, oh man, I had, a, I had kind of a crazy day. 
if you don't mind, I'd love to just vent to you for a minute. That kind of a preemptiveness on a conversation, big deal. Talked about it on the last podcast. So helpful. I think everyone should do it. And never feel bad about it. Again, it's easy to do if it's your friend, right? I can easily tell my friend, hey man, I'm having a hard time. Let me just vent to you for a second. Let me say some stuff out loud to make sure I'm not crazy. And that, that's what I say a lot of times, just to, just to kind of get the whole, yeah, I don't think you're crazy. Or sometimes it's, yeah, that's a little unreasonable what you're saying. Because, you know, who's, who's challenging you? Nobody. It's you, really. Even the challenges in your own brain are, are made up by a biased person in the argument, obviously, because you want what you're saying to be right. So talking, natural breaks, announcing what you want to happen in the conversation at, before it really gets too deep, these are all easy things to do. But how do you do those things with someone who is not really a good listener or is already on the defensive or you're debating, right? And I'm not saying you have to have a, you know, get a podium and now you get a podium and you each get a clock, you hit the timer or whatever it is, you hit your high points. I'm saying like you actually are having a conversation. You're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You are a diehard jelly fan. I'm a diehard peanut butter fan. How do we make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Or how do I get them to try jelly just once? And how do I get, and how do they get me to try peanut butter? A lot of times it starts with common ground. If you, uh, if you're actually going to carry on a debate or a con, you know, a conflict, which conflict is always good. Um, it's just, if it escalates out of hand, that's when you get bad, but conflict is good. So you start on common ground. What is the common ground that you and the person you're talking to share? Are you both, I mean, it's easy, it's as simple as, do you both love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yes. Okay, now you're talking about which one is better. It's very specific. But you gotta break it down. So we've got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? That's the product. Are you, is that your common ground? Nope. Do, does that person love either peanut butter or jelly? Um, they love, peanut butter okay that's the common ground you know they love a topping on the on the sandwich do you both love bread okay that's a common ground you both agree bread is a good part of the sandwich and then oh no I don't like bread I like a wrap like okay we're like lettuce wrap so um so now we're talking about okay well you like lunch okay you don't like lunch all right so now we're trying what we're doing is we're kind of backtracking we're trying to find what is that common ground because if you don't have common ground you're wasting your time, right? It's like arguing God with an atheist. If you just don't believe, or arguing religion, not God, but religion. If you don't believe in, in any kind of God or gods, then arguing religion makes no sense because you're, all of religion is based on some sort of deity, right? Some sort of central point or core beliefs. Like, yeah, you can have a religion of the trees where all trees are good. But if I don't believe in trees, then you can't have a you can't convince me that there's a religion of trees because I don't even believe trees exist, right? So that's where you get common ground. So going back, we've got: Do we both love peanut butter? No. Do we both love bread? Yeah. Or no? Do we both love sandwiches? Nope. Do we both love lunch? Nope. Okay. Do we both love eating? Nope. Do we both love being healthy? Nope. Man. Do we both love? 
getting up in the morning? No. Are we both in the same room? There we go. We could just change it to location. Are we both in the same room? No, now we're on the phone. Jeez. Are we both... Well, we're both on the phone. That might be hard. But something that is undeniable is what you're looking for. You're looking for the other person will either agree with this or it's a fact that they can't argue. The most basic principle, if you're having a conversation or you want to debate with somebody, is are you a human? And the answer is yes, right? I don't give a crap about your sex or gender. Are you a human? Yes. Is your body made up of cells? Yes. Are you breathing air? Yes. Are you, you know, alive? Are you opening and closing your eyes? Are you able to speak? Yes. Okay, so all of these, these are common grounds. And so they sound, they sound far-reaching, right? But here's a couple of examples. Are you a human? Yes. Okay, well, why? What makes you a human? Uh, okay, because I live and breathe. All right, now we can talk about abortion. We've just had a common ground on what a human is. Uh, that's a big one, right? You're going from like six, to, you're going like a zero to a thousand. That's a big topic. But it's also, are you a human? Yeah. Do you breathe air? Yeah. So do you want that air to taste like smoke or do you want that air to to taste like a crisp mountain breeze or whatever you see what i'm saying so human is such a great topic and a great focal point because it doesn't matter about religion it doesn't matter about culture it doesn't matter about where you come from human being a human is such an easy um starting ground right and you build your case based on that now, when you get to the changing points, when you get to the things, it's like, oh, okay, now we get to morality and cultural differences and upbringing and where you, your environment, all that stuff is there. That's why you have the conflict. That's how you have that debate to, uh, to get to a compromise or to, to agree to disagree, frankly. And that's okay too. You don't have to win. I like to win because I'm a competitive guy, but, um, but the point's still the same. You start with that compromise. You start with that, sorry, that common ground. Something is there. I'm going to go with the premise that you can always start a common ground with, are you a human? It doesn't matter about male or female or anything else. Human first. And then start to build. Now, that's how you debate somebody, a stranger, right? Somebody you don't know. You use facts. Facts that are actual, proven, scientific facts. Now, if you are going to debate somebody on culture or religion, you can still start with being a human. You can still use facts, but you're going to get to a point where you have to start including beliefs. And that's when you want to use questions. You don't want to say, you don't want to make statements like, Well, you know that the Bible is the absolute word of God. That's not, you don't want that, because then they're going to be turned off, right? Like, no, I, well, what do you mean? You're telling me what I do? Don't tell me what I know. What if they, um, what if they don't? What if the Necronomicon is their, is their book of, of, that they look at? Or what if the Torah or the, um, the Quran? So you would say, do you believe, do you believe that, the Bible is the word of God. Like, oh yeah, I do. Or no, I don't believe that. Okay, now we got to back up a little bit, right? So what we're doing is we're in the military, we call it prepping the battlefield. You're doing recon. 
You're doing things to understand how you can have a conversation with this person. You're not looking for one-offs and one, like, I got you here. You're looking for a way to just kind of understand what they're saying. Because again, if you're just sitting there with your arms crossed, waiting for your turn to speak, you're not having a conversation. You guys are just comparing, you, you, you and the person are just comparing soapboxes, right? And I say soapbox to be, uh, to be a little bit nicer, more pleasant of a conversation. But what you really want to do is find that common ground, understand where they're coming from, understand why they feel the way they do. And then you wait for that natural pause you give some verbal cues and then you can start talking and you can give them what you believe. You can say, oh, okay, you believe that trees are the greatest plant on the earth. I understand that. Okay, they give off oxygen. I hear all the points you're making. And it sounds stupid to say those things. I hear what you're saying. I understand. And then you say it back to them. I understand that you're saying trees are the most important plant on the face of the earth and I would say but I disagree or you would say oh okay I understand you say trees are the most important one have you thought about or what about algae so then you're asking them a question you're not saying no when people hear no they shut down they turn you don't want to say no you want to say that's interesting that's an interesting point I see the point you're making um, but have you thought about, or I disagree. Those are all fine because no is a negative word. Disagree is a negative word. Blame is a negative word. Fault is a negative word. These are big negative words. So you don't want to say, no, you're wrong. You would say, um, I, I, I disagree. You're saying I, you're putting the negative on yourself and that's okay because that keeps the other person open to the continuing of the conversation. So now that's that's what you're talking, you're debating somebody who is a stranger, right? On a point that you wanna make, on a topic you wanna make, on a thing that you want to get done. You tell them why. Now all the other stuff is up to you. Where you have facts, you have to generate your facts, you have to generate blah, 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 different, different points that you wanna make, right? And now you can even say, hey listen, I've made the points I wanna make. Do you understand, do you at least understand the points I'm making? And then they'll come back and be like, of course I do, I understand everything, blah, blah, blah. Or they can say, no, I, I really don't. And then you, you, you're gonna have to say it again. I used to get told that uh, saying things three times eliminates the fact of, uh, of uh, <laughs> they used to say somebody with ADHD can get it if you say it three times in a row. Because most people, even with, um, with ADHD, Remember about 20% of what you're saying. So in this podcast, I anticipate everyone is going to listen to it five times to, <laughs> to hear all the things that I'm saying or to understand all the things that I'm saying. So I should look at the counter and see that people have listened to this five times. And then I'll understand that you're ready for podcast number four. <laughs> so, uh, so nah, I don't, you know, do what you want. But, but going back, that is how to really engage with somebody who's a stranger, right? That's not how to, uh, how to step up to a stranger on the street and just go at it. Usually you do that with a, with a question. So that's when you are in a situation like a conference room 
or uh, on a bus or whatever, and you already have that person's attention. You're engaging with a stranger who is engaged in the conversation. That's how you keep it to me. The very difficult, this is probably the worst thing to do in my opinion, is having a conversation, slash conflict, slash debate, slash argument, with someone you care about. So that is, that is really hard. And let me tell you why that's hard is because you care about them. So first of all, if I go to a guy on the street and I say, hey, do you, um, do you love the Capitals hockey team? Right? I'm a big Caps fan. C-A-P-S, Caps, Caps, Caps. Go Washington Capitals. If I go up to somebody on the street and say, hey, man, are you a Caps fan? And they say, oh, no, I hate hockey. It's the worst sport in the world. I say, okay, cool story, bro. And I just walk away. It doesn't matter. That is a, a passing fellow, that is a, a, a microcosm of a, of a world I care about. It doesn't influence my world. But when I talk to someone I love, someone I care about, my mom, my dad, my fam- my brothers, sisters, my wife, uh, my kids, my family that, inter- that interacts with my, uh, with my family, people that do cousins, all that stuff. People that actually influence, have a sphere of, are inside of my sphere of influence, and I'm inside of theirs. You care about those more, so you get a little bit more passionate, a little bit more emotional when you're having the conversation. And now that's that gets a little bit progressively harder the closer you get into your 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 sphere of influence and and stressors, like how people can affect you in forms of stress. So we're going to skip all the way to the, to the last one. And for me, it is the boss. The boss, my wife, is the hardest person for me to have a conversation with. And I know, well, first of all, if she's listening, she's going to be like, hey, wait a minute. But that's legit. That's real. And this is why. Because when, when the boss does not share the same opinion that I do on something that I care about, it affects me right? I'm sad. Clearly, she doesn't see the amazing things that I see in this in this point that I'm trying to make. She doesn't understand. It's not that she hates hockey and she fully understands everything I'm saying and she just chooses to not like the Washington Capitals. She must not understand how great they are. She must not understand how amazing hockey because clearly, anybody who understood things the way that I do would love something the way that I do. And that's that's how you should feel going into any kind of argument, right? Because why would you be arguing for something if you didn't care about it? But it's most difficult with someone that you actually care about. Because when they say, well, hockey is stupid because it's just a bunch of guys fighting, what they say affects you actually listen to it you take it to heart that's why you care about that person because you you one care about their physical well-being you two care about their well mental well-being and you care about their opinion that's the person you ask hey does this shirt look dumb with these pants or does this financial investment make sense am i doing the right thing with our money uh you know and you ask people who are more educated for things that are more factual like like um finances but my point I'm making is you, you rely on that person and you trust them with things that are sometimes not tangible. 
Am I doing the right thing by going to church? Am I doing the right thing by letting this coworker, you know, letting him fall, letting him make a mistake? Why not? Am I, am I making? Am I doing the right thing by by uh, showing that little kid the proper way to hold a knife and cut their food, as opposed to just taking that knife away? You know. There's all these different things. Am I doing the right thing choosing this job that's very risky over keeping the job I have that's might not be as, as high paying or as, as, um, as fun, right? So those are those non-tangible things. There is no definite gray, black, I mean, definite white and black that you can choose. If I said, hey, am is, is it more lucrative to take a job that pays $100,000 or take a job that takes $35,000? That is a black and white yes or no. That's easy, right? But it's the other one. It's the, do you think I would be good at flipping burgers? Do you think I would be good at being the CEO of a major corporation? You know, and that's the person also, that's the person who you confide in one, but you also value their opinion. When they say, no, that's a stupid idea, you feel stupid. You do. Because you care about what that person has to say. If you, I mean, I haven't, again, I tell you, I haven't experienced this because my childhood was very good. But if you are told by someone who has an authority over you, like a parent or your grand, somebody who raised you, you really value, that you're stupid or you're worthless, you're going to believe it. You are going to eventually believe it. And it's going to take you, you, it's going to take you some real deep thought and some evaluation to say to yourself, you know what? That person who I've always trusted is not good. It's not a good person. Or I don't care what they say because you know what? They really don't understand. They're not out for, they're not in the best interest of me. If somebody's not bringing you up, then they're bringing you down. What you have to evaluate is should you be up or should you be down? If somebody, if you're going to your friends and you're saying, oh my gosh, look at this. I stole five people's purses while they were uh, while they were on the bus and the and the bus broke down. I went through like five people's purses. I got all these cell phones. If if that person brings you down and you feel and you think they're a stupid person, they're bad. You're angry at them for bringing you down, making you feel bad about that. You really do. You need to evaluate why is this person I care about making me feel bad. If you stole a bunch of phones, it's because you did a crappy thing and you should feel bad. They're a little Jiminy Cricket. Every single person who we give authority to, and again, we have to give them authority. I have to give you my trust for your opinion to mean anything to me. Once you're in a position of authority and they're going to make you feel good or bad, that's when you do. You really need to say, why are they making me feel good or bad? I'm really excited. My mom said, I did a great job on this test. She's making me feel good. Why is she making me feel good? I guess making a good grade on a test is a good thing. If you get an A on a test or your kid gets an A on a test and your other kid doesn't get an A on a test, you don't make the other kid feel bad. Oh, you're so dumb, Johnny, because Mary got an A and you didn't get an A. You only got you only got 92 or whatever an A is nowadays. You only got 90 and that's a B. Yeah, you didn't get what what she got. You're not telling that kid to go get an A. 
you're just telling him to beat the beat his other parent, beat the other student, you know, beat that person, go into competition. So that's um, that goes back to one well, that's a parenting skill and a life skill. Where I learned this from my um, I have a, a cousin who's a counselor, and he, he's big on praise the process, don't praise the result. If I praise that you got an A in math, and that's all I praise is that you got an A. Then when you cheat on the test, you never learn how to do one plus one. You just know the answer is two, or you looked on, on Johnny's test and saw a two, and you put it down, you got an A. Then what you did is justify, because all you need to do is get that A. That's why praising the process is such a good idea, because it's not about you getting an A. It's about, oh man, you worked hard, you understood. This A is awesome because it represents your hard work. It means that you did a good thing and you learned how to do something right. So all about all this praise the process, um, uh, having authority and people having authority over you, all of that gets back to why it is so difficult to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you but you still have an emotional connection to. Whether they have an authority over you because they're your boss or they have an authority over you because you love them and you care about their opinion. It's hard. And so here are some take some some uh, some tricks, and I don't want to say tricks or tactics, but here's some helpful hints that I have learned with my wife and with uh, a client and with a customer. So here's the first one, right? So talking back. So that sounds like oh, you're talking back. That's like that's rude, isn't it? No, no, no. I don't mean talking back like. Well, I don't want to. You can't make me. That's that's kind of that's stupid and childish, first of all. Um, but what I'm trying to say is reiterating what they've said. So if the guy, if my client, my customer says, "Hey, I want you to write a report on trees in the woods," I will look at him and I will say, "Okay, I understand that you want me to write a report on trees in the woods." And at that point, it lets them say. Yes, but you're not saying you told me to write a report on trees in the wood, right? It's kind of an accusational statement. You told me, you did this, you did that. You're kind of blaming the person. Even though it means nothing to you, it is sometimes perceived as a blame. And if that person doesn't have a strong leadership ability, then they're gonna be, they're gonna be defensive. So the best way to do it is saying, I hear I say I. I understand. What I'm hearing is that you want me to. That is that I. I'm hearing that you want me to write a report about a tree in the woods. And they say yes. So when there's an action, you always want to do the action yourself. You want to do the action. He says write a report. You say, and and you having listened, you say I'm going to write a report. Um, and that works in an argument too. So, in this reiteration of what's going on, and it's about clarity, right? These are communication tips. So, if if my if I hear my spouse, my boss, if the boss says, "Hey, you're not going to school on Monday to drop the kids off," and I say that back to her, I say, "Okay, here, let me tell you what I'm hearing." And you tell me where I'm wrong. That's another big one. I say, 
you're telling me, I, I'm hearing that I'm not going to go to school on Thursday to drop the kids off. And she'll say, no, that's not what I mean. Or she'll say, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? But so a lot of times I'll get the no, that's not what I meant. It is, I didn't mean to say you're not going to school on Thursday to drop the kids off. I meant to say you're not going to school on Thursday just to drop the kids off. You're going to school on Thursday because I have an appointment. I can't make it. So you have to go to school to drop the kids off on Thursday. So there's little extra parts that that make that conjugate inside of each one of our brains. And I do the same thing. You know, I sometimes go from A to C and I forgot to say B. Because in my brain, B is already there. It's obvious. Everybody understands B. It's in my brain. But unless you say it out loud, sometimes people don't get it. And that's the purpose of saying, let me tell you what I'm hearing and you can tell me where I'm wrong. Because strangers, especially people you love, are more inclined to help you, that's what they see, they see that's helping you understand how you're wrong more than they're willing to expose how they are wrong, that they are wrong. It's just easy, people just naturally feel easy correcting somebody else versus exposing that they are wrong. And that's just the fact. I've never met a person who, who is like, yeah, I love being wrong, it's the best. I never want anybody I always want people to correct me because I'm always wrong. It's not really a thing. So you really have to just kind of be patient with this process. So again, if you're having a conversation and it's and as it's going, it's somebody you care about, then saying, all right, let me, first of all, you got to acknowledge their conversation, right? I, I'm hearing this. That's the first part. Because you're saying, I value what you're saying and I listened to it. Here it is. So step one, I hear what you're saying. Let me tell you how my brain processes it. And then you help me piece in the the parts that I'm not getting. Right? That's overall, that's like the high level of what I'm trying to say. So when you're asking, you I'm gonna let me tell you what I'm hearing, and you tell and and please tell me where I'm wrong. And that'll fill in a lot of gaps. A lot of gaps. And it's really hard, for me anyway, when the person doesn't reciprocate that. They don't say, okay, well, let me tell you what I'm hearing and you tell me where I'm wrong. They just say, yeah, 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 you're right. And that's it. This is it. They don't ever say you're right. They always, uh, they just say, yeah, this is all the times you're wrong. It's hard. That's hard. But what is, but this goes back to something else where we really got to stop before we make any decisions and we have to ask, we have to ask ourselves four questions and we'll talk about this in a little bit but another podcast but the four questions are what is the problem what are my options to solve it what are the uh, what is my expected result and how does that result what am I expecting how does that fix my problem any decision should be any person making a decision should ask themselves those four questions if they have a note card boom it's, if they don't, if you can remember that, that's cool too. But the bottom line is those four questions are really going to help you understand. And you can't understand things if you don't fully understand what the person you're speaking to is saying. So when we're having a conversation and we're trying to debate or win an argument or 
or make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with someone we love, we've got to first acknowledge that what they're saying is valuable. Secondly, reiterate back to them what they're saying so they can hear it because maybe they're just saying it wrong. And then third, ask for help so that they can fill in the gaps, right? So that's, that's, those are the three things that are really difficult. Um, and those can be either hindered or boosted by the silent negotiator. So the silent negotiator is your body, your eyes, your mouth, your cheeks, your arms, your legs, your, your whole body, right? So, so the first thing that draws people to a conversation, you, your whole body, you're present in the room. If you're on the phone, then we don't have anything, right? It's harder to debate. It's, it's actually easier to talk because you don't have that body to expose how you're truly feeling. And so a couple of things, squared off. Are you squared off to the person? Squared off means my, the center of my chest is facing the center of their face. I don't care about their body. We don't have to like stand shoulders apart and look at each other. Just is my chest facing her, facing the, the, the person. That lets them know that I'm exposed. If they shout their words at me, their words are gonna come straight at me and hit me right in the chest. That is an open stance. You are open to this conversation. If you're turned to the left or the right or your back is to them, then you are absolutely defending, right? So you don't want your heart to get hit. So you turn your shoulder and you talk to somebody with your shoulder facing them. So you're trying to defend against their words. And they interpret it that way as you're defending. If your back is to them, it's not worth your time. You're totally not engaged. That is, and that is not gonna help in the conversation. That will hinder the other person being accepting of what you're saying because they don't see it from you. They see you as defensive. So they're gonna try to start yelling and getting escalating because they're trying to break that barrier, trying to break that shoulder, break that back. So when you, if you really wanna be open and make sure that that person is engaged like you are, keep your chest clear, open. So face their face. So that also goes with arms, right? Arms on your hips, hands in your hands on your hips, hands in your pockets. Those are great. Those are fine. Hands behind your back. I don't like that because I can't see your hands. I feel you're a threat. But most other people don't mind. They feel it as a very submissive pose. But hands across your chest. You're just making another barrier, right? You've you've replaced your shoulder with both your arms crossed in front of you. You're, you're creating barriers between their words and your heart. That's gonna turn people off too. They're gonna start getting defensive quicker because they see that your defenses are up. So to, to take this into an interrog into interrogation room, um, if you're on TV, right? Or you're on, not on TV, but you're in interrogation or you're in a job interview. Here's a helpful hint, job interview. You want to have a conversation with a stranger, right? That is the point. You want to show them how valuable you are and how much of an asset you're going to be to that company. Your body language in an interview means the same thing, right? You got your arms crossed. They're like, why is this guy defensive? You've got your shoulder to the guy talking. What? Why would you ever do that? You're again, you're making that barrier. 
but it also, they can see stuff with the rest of you. Are your eyes, are you looking at them or are you looking up at a clock? If you're looking at a clock, then that person's in a hurry. They got something else to do. They're not engaged in this conversation. Keep your eyes focused on the person and every so often you can look up to nothing. Just look up to the left or right um, and just kind of like give that thinking pose. Like, huh, okay, I see what you're saying. With the verbal, with the with the nonverbal cue, right? That's the, when you don't talk, a nonverbal cue. That's arms, legs, hands. So your head goes up and down like a knot. I acknowledge what you're saying. Yes. Eyes are a nonverbal cue also, right? You, you're looking at them and you're saying, yes, yeah, so like I see what you're saying. I physically am looking at your mouth. I see what you're saying. If your eyes are someplace else, first of all, you can, you all, everyone knows this because if you stare at something while you're having a conversation and you keep looking at something, that person is going to turn around and say, what are you looking at? Because clearly you're not engaged with me. So, so from the top of your head down, your face. Are you constantly pursing your lips? Are you constantly um, are moving your, your face? Are you, are you like trying to hold back a smile? Are you clenching your jaw because you're angry at what's happening or you really don't like it or you're trying to literally trying to hold your mouth shut because you are so anti what they're saying? Those things you can see. If you don't think so, close your mouth and clench your jaw and look in a mirror. You'll see right by your templates, you'll see your muscles flinch. Now, pursing your lips, you, you could honestly just have a dry mouth, but pursing your lips it's kind of like, mm, that's a hard taste. That's something that's hard for me to swallow. That's a point you're trying to make that I think is distasteful. I don't like the taste of what you're saying. So, mm, my mouth goes, mm, and I squish my lips together. Or I, I stretch my mouth out. Either way is very much a, I don't like what you're saying. So, you don't want to have those, those you want your face to be kind of calm and like a, a, maybe a furrowed brow, just a little bit, like you're thinking. That's a thinking pose. So eyes on the person, right? You can dart to their mouth, back up to their eyes, back down to their mouth. You don't want to stare at them. That's just awkward. Down to your, your chest. You want your chest to face them. That's that way. And then you want no blockage between your heart and their mouth and what they're saying. Don't block your heart with their words. I mean, don't block their words from your heart. Keep it open. That is an open, open stance, ready for go, ready to go. And the same thing as all applies to job interviews. It's, it shows that you're trusting them, you're trustful. Um, if you've got your feet, <laughs> funny enough, your feet are and your toes are pointed towards a door, that means you're ready to go. You're trying to get out of there. You are uncomfortable with the situation. That's an interrogation thing too. If you're ever someplace and somebody is uh, asking you questions and your feet are pointed towards the door, you, you probably are, um, they're probably going to say, well, what's this guy? Why is he so uncomfortable? Is he hiding something? Um, same thing goes with your spouse or your loved one or your boss. If you're pointed towards the door, I doubt your, your boss is some sort of law enforcement that knows that stuff. But, um, but your spouse sure as hell knows how to read you, right? Your loved ones, especially your kids. Holy guacamole. They've been spending their whole lives learning your tics and your tells so that they can manipulate you. So having a conversation with someone you love or your has authority over you, like an interview or your boss or your spouse, all of these little tick tricks are going to help you. You're going to be a way better communicator. All right. So that's 
I'm gonna start wrapping that up. I'm gonna wrap that up. I'm gonna do a summary here, right? So the hardest people to talk to are people that you give authority to. The hardest people to talk to are the people you give authority to. The hardest people to talk to are the people you give authority to. You give authority to someone who controls your job, someone who controls your heart. So your spouse, your loved ones, your kids, and your your job, your boss at work. Those are hard to talk to because you care about what they're going to say because they can influence your life. Now when you're talking to them, right, you want to listen, show them you're listening with your body, show them you're listening with your eyes, with your mouth, even give some cues, yes, okay, 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 I understand, I understand, okay, yes, I see what you're saying, I see what you're saying. You're not, you don't have to always agree, you just say, I see what you're saying. So listen, understand, take time, understand what they're saying. Don't just wait for your turn to talk. Understand what they're saying. Reiterate back to them what you heard. Don't, don't just say exactly the words they said. That's, that's annoying in your parody. Say what you heard. That's more important. And then allow them to correct you, to, to fill in the gaps, to fill in the holes of the conversation. And then, after you've listened, you've understood, you've confirmed what they're saying, you've let them um, finalize their thought, wait for that natural break in the conversation, and then speak your truth. That's a super lame thing to say, but, but it is. You know, say the point you're trying to make. Articulate the point you're trying to make. Okay? And that's how to have a conversation with anybody, really. And especially with somebody who's being difficult. Find that common ground. Show them you're trusting them in this conversation with your body language. Understand what they're saying. Show them you understand. And then, you know, make your points. Hopefully you've got good points and they stand up to the test. But no matter what, you at least had a good conversation and hopefully, uh, Hopefully you, you showed them that you're, you're an open person willing to listen. So that if they have a question about something later, they're not turned off by you. They'll come and have another conversation with you. They enjoy talking to you. Conflict is good. Conflict is good. Conflict is good. That's how we grow. So hopefully everybody go home, listen to this, make yourself a peanut butter jelly sandwich, and understand that that never would have existed without a little conflict.